Welcome to Crossroads. It is a pleasure to see so many faces this morning. Um, and happy Easter. Um, for our new time guests, our first time guests, you should have gotten a connection card whenever you came in through the foyer. Um, we would love, love, love for you to fill that out. Um, it's just, it has basic information on there, your name, address, phone number. Um, we're not going to harass you or bug you. Uh, we just have that information on there so we can send a personal thank you for, you, for coming today. Um, but if you did not receive one, it is out in the foyer. Our greeters would love to give you one. We have pins fill it out for us, and also we would love to give you a gift at the end of service after you turn it in. Um, now, I don't know if you notice, but there are some little ones right behind me, um, and they are very excited because this morning they are leading our first worship song. So please stand up and worship with the kids this morning. Hosanna, he is present. And because he lives, we are alive in him. But before his, re but before his resurrection, Jesus first had to bear the weight of the cross. He rose, he chose to die for us in our place. On the but on the third day, he rose, alive forevermore. So celebrate with us as we sing praises to our risen king.
Come on. They, you can do more for them and more for Jesus being Lord of all. Come on now. Come on. Do you believe that this morning, what those kids said, that Jesus is Lord of all? Do you believe it this morning? Come on. It is Easter. Jesus is alive and we have hope. Amen. Come on. Let's sing. He is Lord.
life is worth living because he is alive today. He is alive. You know, we are the only religion that can say our God is truly alive. He's not some statue. He's not still stuck in a grave. Come on, he's alive. And because he's alive, you can have hope. You don't have to strive in this life. It doesn't mean life will be perfect. It just means you can have hope and peace. And whenever we have that, come on, that is worth more than millions of dollars in the bank. You can't put a price on peace. And that's what Jesus brought for us when he died. He not only died to forgive us of our sins, he died for our healing. He was punished for our peace. Come on, so you can have life and have it more abundantly. That's the beauty of the cross and the hope of that he didn't stay there. He didn't stay there. Come on, let's thank you for that this morning.
Hallelujah. He is alive. He is risen. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. We are now transitioning into our next form of worship this morning. As we've been talking about for almost two months now, the time has come for our resurrection seed offering. Miss Pat, if you would pull up that passage for me. For tithes and offerings, please, ma'am. And we've been talking about our resurrection seed offering, which is our big offering for the year. And the goal is $30,000 for today because we are taking the next steps 
to turning this facility into a community center. And so all that space we have back there, the money is going to phase one, which is building a state-of-the-art playground for the community to come and kids that have a safe place after school to come and play. So we are highly excited for what's to come. If you'd please stand with me as you are getting your tithes and offerings ready today, as we get ready to give our resurrection seed offering, whatever the Lord has placed on our hearts for this time. If you would please read with me this passage. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verses six through eight. You may give, praise the Lord. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you this morning. Happy Easter. Resurrection Sunday. Um, it's an honor to have you guys with us this morning. If you do not know me, my name is Josiah Hodge, and I have the honor of being the lead servant and pastor here at Crossroads World Outreach Center. But I think even everyone who just came today, I think I know all of you pretty much, so that's awesome to see all of you guys this morning. It's always great to see a smiling face that you know. And so, guys, it's so, so awesome to have you with us today. We're going to play a video if you would turn your attention to the screen.
Yeah. He has risen. The video gives me chills every single time, man. <laughs> Whether you realize it or not today, you're here for a purpose. Whether you were dragged here by family or family begged you to come, I'm so thankful that they did. I'm thankful that they got you here today. It is an absolute honor to have you with us today. And as it says, he is risen. Praise the Lord. Can I hear it? Everyone say, he is risen. He is, say it one more time. One more time, a little bit louder. Praise the Lord. He has risen. But before we get to the point that because he lives, what that means for us today, because I feel like we as Christians and those of us who are not don't truly understand the hope that a believer holds. And so before we get to that point today, it would be a true disservice if I did not first talk about what happened upon that cross. How did we get to the point of the resurrection? Jesus became what is known as our substitutionary atonement. So Pastor Josiah, what is that word? Substitutionary atonement means that he died as us and for us. Basically, simple terms, he died in our place. Romans chapter 3, verses 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are on an equal playing field. I'm not better than you. You are not better than I. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. All those who believe can be saved. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, his forbearance is his patience. I need us to see this because oftentimes God is portrayed as a mean old grandfather. It says because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. What does that mean? We should have been punished for what we did, but he held back because of love. He held back because of love. We did not pay the price we deserved because he loved us. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. But what also happened upon that cross is something called double imputation. And it's a beautiful thing. What it means is this. It means that when Jesus absorbed the sins of the world unto himself on the cross, he took everything we are and he gave us everything that he is. His righteousness, his goodness upon that cross, he took our filth, he took our past, and he took our sins. And in that moment, when he absorbed it unto himself, he then gave us everything that he is. And so on that, on that cross, truly our sin was nailed to the cross. And guess what? Today you can be free. Because upon that cross, Jesus Christ took it upon himself, died the perfect death you could not die. And upon that cross, he took it upon himself. And that is the finished work upon the cross. In John chapter 19, Jesus yells, Tetelestai. Who knows what Tetelestai means? It is finished. Jesus did not say, okay, I began the work now. You carry on. No, Jesus upon that cross and what he did for us, that sacrifice, it was the finished work of the cross so that you and I can be free. And in that moment, the veil was torn. We saw on the video, what does that mean? Now there's no more separation between us and God. A holy God and a sinful people. Jesus died so we can now enter into the holy of holies. There's nothing holding us back from anymore. Why is that good news? Because we could not get him before Jesus. So now we can freely go before the throne of grace because Jesus Christ died upon the cross. And John 3, 16 through 17 was set into motion. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But a lot of people don't know verse 17. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus Christ did not come to condemn you. He came to save you, and it came in the form of the cross. I need you to hear that for a world that says Jesus is a bigot and a racist and hates the world. No, Jesus did not come to condemn you. Jesus came to save you, and he died for every single person who has ever lived upon this earth. If that's not good news, I don't know what is. That because even though when I was in my filth and my shame, he died so I could be free. And after the cross, he breathes his last breath and his spirit goes up and he's, and he's dead. And for three days, for three days, the disciples panic and the enemy celebrates. And I think sometimes we skip over the fact of what was Jesus' spirit doing in those, in those three days when his body was in the tomb and his spirit was gone. I think sometimes we don't understand. We think Jesus was just hanging out. Luke chapter 23, verse 43 says this to us. He's speaking to the criminal that was crucified beside him. And he says, truly, I tell you today, you will be in paradise. So one, we know Jesus went to paradise. Why is that important? Because when he went to be with the Father, he was glorified once again in his true nature, who he truly was. Before he took the form of a man and had the weakness of flesh, now Jesus Christ is glorified. What does that mean? That means all power and authority have been restored into his hands. Jesus is not walking as a man with, with the disabilities of humanity stuck in the flesh. Jesus went to the Father, and now all power and authority has been given back into his hand. So Jesus went to paradise, heaven, to be with the Father, to be glorified alongside the Father, put at his right hand. But where else did Jesus go? It says Jesus went into Hades, the spiritual realm of death. And what was Jesus doing there? Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. When you were dead in your sins and in the, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the debt and the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What does this tell me? Jesus was not sitting idly by when he went to paradise and all authority and power was given to his hands. What's the first thing he did after that? He went to the enemy of our souls, the adversary of our souls in the spiritual realm. And y'all, he kicked butt and took names. He kicked butt. I'm telling you right now, he kicked butt and he took names. He defeated them. Everything in the unseen realm that could hold you back from him, they no longer have power. Not only does it say he disarmed them, it said he made a public spectacle of them by dying upon the cross. So you're telling me in Jesus' weakest moment, he was that much more powerful than they are. Imagine now that he's been glorified. Even, in, even upon the cross, when he was being sacrificed... In his weakest moment in the flesh, he, he overcame them and embarrassed them by the cross. Imagine how much more now that he's glorified. So Jesus was not sitting idly by or hanging out in heaven. Jesus was on a mission. And do not fear, Sunday is coming. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 7. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wandering about, they suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, 
Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Look at your neighbor and say, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Why is no one excited about this? He is alive. And we're about to look exactly what that means for us as believers 2,000 years later. What does it mean to us that he has risen? Well, first and foremost, death is conquered and sin is dead. Death is conquered and sin is dead. The devil and the powers of darkness have been disarmed. They have no power. He conquered sin by absorbing it into himself and taking it to the grave, paying the price. He conquered the adversaries of our soul by going to where they are. Do you understand? He went to where they are. He went to their house. He went to their home. He did not wait for them to come and attack him. He was on the offensive for your benefit. He went to where they are, disarming them of any power and authority they once held. He conquered the grave by resurrecting from the dead. He put to death sin and defeated death with life. So 2,000 years later, what does it mean for us that Jesus Christ is risen? Because he lives, you can be free. I don't mean partially free. I don't mean halfway free. I mean fully free. That his work upon the cross finished it right where it was. And you have the ability to now walk in freedom. You, you can be completely forgiven past, present, and future. That is the work of the cross. So often we will accept the love of Jesus, but the moment we mess up, we run from him. Adam and Eve in the garden were doing it way before we ever did. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and what did they do? They hid from God. But God never hid from them. We can be completely forgiven, past, present, and future. We don't have to run anymore. We can live and walk in his love. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 through 25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. We can be free from sin. Romans 6, 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Romans 6, 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. You don't have to live that way anymore. Those hidden sins you hide from your spouse, you don't have to live in that anymore. Those lies, that deceit, those cuss words you can't stop saying, you don't have to live in that anymore, guys. You can be free because of his work upon the cross, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Sin no longer has any power over you. You can be free in the name of Jesus. I'm not saying you won't struggle, and I'm not saying it won't be hard. But because of what Jesus Christ did upon the cross, you can be free. You don't have to live in that anymore. You can't just be free from sin. You can be free from yourself. The Bible calls this the flesh. And I don't know about anyone else, but my flesh is what held me back from God more than my sin ever did. And I want to tell you right now, in this moment, you can be free from your past. Those of you who have begged for a new start, have begged for a new start in life, wondering why am I stuck? Those toxic behaviors that put you in the spots that you get into, those addictions you cannot get out of, you can be free from yourself because of Jesus Christ's death upon the cross. And I'm not saying it won't be hard, but victory is a possibility because of Jesus. 
Dang, that was a boom right there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. You want a new start? Jesus Christ has freely given one to you. He died so you could be new. He died so you could be free. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You can be free from the flesh. You can be free from those lifestyles. You don't have to live there anymore. You can be free from the systems of the world. Well, what are the systems of the world? It's money. It's careers. It's traditions. It's religions. It's entertainment of the world. Jesus died to show us a better way. I'm telling you right now, many of us are serving the systems of the world. We're in bondage to our careers. Can I tell you, there is no hope to be found in the world. Your career could end tomorrow. That relationship you put everything into, that relationship could end tomorrow. If it's not Jesus Christ, it's sinking sand. It's not a firm foundation. And so Jesus knew that if you lived in the systems, you would be broken, you would be hurt, you would find yourself depressed and full of anxiety. So he died to show you a better way, and it's the cross. And so Jesus died so you'd be free from sin. You don't have to live that way anymore. He died so you'd be free from yourself. You don't have to run from him anymore. And he died so you could be freed from the systems of the world. That way your hope would not be in things where hope cannot stand. Hope can only be found in Christ Jesus. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Philippians 3, 20 through 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. It's a shift of perspective. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Jesus died for you to be free from sin. So you could be free from yourself. And so you could be free from the systems of the world. They don't, have to, they don't have to hold you anymore. You don't have to be in bondage to these things anymore. Because he lives. Somebody say that. There is hope. Come on, say that a little bit louder. Some of you sounded a little confused by that. Because he lives, there is hope. One more time. Because he lives, there is hope. Praise. I have hope for y'all now. I did a second ago. I got some real hope for y'all now. Oh my goodness. Help us, Jesus, in this room. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me tell you something about a living hope. A living hope walks with you through life. A living hope is with you in the hardships. A living hope is with you when that loved one passes away. A living hope is with you when you lose your career. A living hope is with you when your kids are acting crazy and it doesn't make any sense. A living hope walks with you. A dead hope stays in the same place. A stagnant hope may follow you for a moment, but then it's stuck in the same place. But a living hope, a living hope means that in every season, every hardship we face, Jesus is pouring out grace and mercy and power to face everything head on. And some of you in here probably faced something this morning you were not expecting to face. 
You were probably inconvenienced in a way you were not expecting to be inconvenienced. But the fact of the matter is we as Christians don't have to get bogged down in the tiny details when things don't go our way. We have a living hope that no matter what we face, we see Christ Jesus. And because Christ Jesus lives, we have hope. Verse 4, it says, And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade away. Can I tell you God loves you? He loves you so much that he has set an inheritance for you that can never be taken out of your hands. Why? Because he's the one holding it in his hands. And so it says this inheritance can never fade away. Anything in this earth, ooh, I feel the AC, praise the Lord. Like, wait, is that the Holy Spirit? No, that's the AC. I'm just saying. <laughs> Listen, everything in this earth will fade away. Your riches will fade away. Your health will fade away. The years will fade away. Your relationships will fade away. Everything you cling to for hope will fade away in this earth. But scripture tells us that through Jesus Christ, he has set aside an inheritance for you. Listen to what it says. I love the way it will never perish. It will never spoil or fade away. It stands forever. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Listen to this. Who through faith are shielded by God's power. How encouraging is it to know that you don't have to maintain and keep your own inheritance? That is God. Through his power, he is keeping you. He is maintaining you. Some of y'all should get a lot more excited because a lot of y'all are a hot mess like me. I could not keep it myself. If it wasn't for Jesus, I would not be here today. And so I know for a fact, if it was up to me to create an inheritance, oh my gosh, I would have nothing. I'm telling you right now, and I definitely couldn't keep it because I'm irresponsible sometimes. I love how we come in church and we think, listen, all of us are a hot mess. I'm going to tell you right now, all of you got some hidden sins, all of you got some stuff you don't want people to know about, we're all a hot mess. We all need Jesus, and that's the whole point of today. We all need Jesus. I see a lot of y'all looking at me like, nah, I'm good, brother. No, I know some of y'all. I know you are not. You're a hot mess like me, okay? Let's be honest here, all right? Y'all sinning in the house of the Lord. I'm just playing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I get, I get too happy up here sometimes. Verse 6, in all this greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. I need us to see what he's saying here. In all this you greatly rejoice. In everything that's happening around you, in your hardships, in your trials, when your job situation doesn't make any sense, when your family is going crazy, it says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. You understand this life just fades away. Scripture time and time again says we're nothing but like the grass here today and gone tomorrow. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come. This is the reason. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So what is he saying? Everything you face is for a purpose. Nothing you face is not for a purpose. Everything you face is to grow your faith and to refine your faith. Why? Because when Jesus Christ returns, the number one thing I want to see on his face is a smile. And he looks at me and says, well done, good and faithful servant, to the praise and honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Because my whole life, my goal is to live, die, and be forgotten. Because Jesus is the only one that matters. And this is the last sermon I ever preach. I need you to hear. It's all for the glory of Jesus. And everything I face in this life, my faith is built up, not even for myself, but that God can be magnified in this body. 
That when people see me and my life is going crazy, but they see how calm I am, I'm magnifying Jesus. People see the glory of Jesus through the way I live my life. And so even though for a little while I may have to fight hardships, I may have to go through troubles, it's worth it because my faith is being built up upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. Verse 8, this should be encouraging for all of us. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Is anyone else filled with inexpressible and glorious joy? Anybody? Like, raise your hand. The fact that Jesus rose, is anybody else happy? I mean, my gosh, got some dead bones in here. Yes. Alive. Goodness gracious. Hey, guess what? He's alive, so guess what? You can be too. Mm, well, oh, Jesus. going to put on a preacher voice or something. For you are receiving the end result. By the way, visitors, if you can't tell, we like to have fun in this church. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. For every hardship, trial, and test you face, Jesus Christ is pouring out all the grace you need, all the mercy you need, all the power you need to face it. That's what it means to have hope. That means that even though everything's falling apart today, you look to something greater in the future. And so because of Christ Jesus, we can look past what we're facing into a hope that he has for us. Why? Because he has overcome it all. What is the number one fear of all humanity for all time? It's death. Death is the number one fear of all humanity for all time. And some of you in here may have been thinking about your mortality lately. Lost loved ones fading away, lost loved ones passing away, people you knew from high school, people you knew from college are passing away. But can I tell you, Jesus Christ already overcame death. If you believe that Jesus rose, you absolutely have nothing to fear. Guess what it told us? In this life, he's already defeated your enemies. He defeated the things unseen, he defeated sin, and he defeated death. And more than that, well, like I said before, he already defeated everything you can't see. So what are we to fear knowing that the one we serve has already overcome it all? But how do we not have hope? Listen, do you know what the beauty of true hope is as a true believer? If I'm alive in this body, I'm with Jesus. If I die, who am I with? I'm with Jesus. You can't take away my hope. Whether you kill me, torture me, crucify me in this body, guess what? When I breathe my last, who am I with? I'm with Jesus. So when your car breaks down, guess what you don't have to do? Freak out. When your spouse yells at you, guess what you don't have to do? Freak out. Because these small, tiny things fade away. They do not matter. But we can look to the true hope of Jesus Christ. That whether I'm in the body or out of the body, I'm with my Savior. You cannot take away my hope. I don't care what you do to me. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care how much you talk about me behind my back. You cannot take my hope away. My hope's not in you. I'm not built up upon your words or what you say or what you do. My hope is in Jesus. Whether in this body or out of this body, Jesus Christ be magnified. That is why we live. That is the true hope of all believers. It's not in this life. Romans chapter 8, verses 34 through 39. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Okay, if this is not hope, I don't know what it is. The one person who could condemn you, he doesn't. But not only does he not, he's actually on your team. What The one person who could condemn you, it says no one does, not even Jesus. But more importantly, does Jesus not condemn you? He is on your team. 
It's saying he's by the right hand of the Father interceding for you. What does that mean? That means when you do sin. That means when you do fail. Guess what Jesus is doing? He's not pointing the finger and saying, you're disgusting. He's talking to the Father. Father, please forgive them. Father, you know their hearts. Father, you know they love you. So the only one who can condemn us does not only not condemn us, he's on my team. He's got my back. He's actually building me up and pulling out my potential and my purpose. If that is not filled with hope, I don't know what is. Too often Christians live in a place of condemnation because of what they did. But the only one who could condemn you does not. Mm. Some of y'all are catching on to that right there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all are hearing me because some of you can be free today. You've been walking in bondage of the past for too long. Some of you can be free today. 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are faced with death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse, verse 37, verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can we please look at the verbiage of that? It didn't say through him who's powerful and king of the universe. It didn't say through him who has all the authority. It said through his love. Through his love we conquer everything in this life. So what does that tell me? You may not be the most powerful, you may not have any authority. Things may happen to you in your life you have no control over. But through his love, we can conquer all things. Because love, true love, casts out all fear. You have nothing to fear when you truly love Jesus and he truly loves you. I'm preaching better than some of you are shouting. It's not through power or might, through wisdom, none of these things. It's through love. It's through love that we conquer all things. So when that person stabs you in the back... When that person comes at you, you don't conquer them by, by power or might. You conquer them by love. That is the way of the cross. It's not power or might. It is by love. Verse 38, for I am convinced. This is my favorite passage in the entire Bible. For I am convinced neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Why? Because he has already overcome it all. He's overcome everything we can see, the troubles, the hardships, the trials, the persecution, and he's overcome everything we cannot see, the demons, the angels, the principalities. So what does this tell me? Nothing can take me out of the hands of the Father. If that is not hope, I don't know what is Christians, if you are a believer, say amen, say something. If that is not encouraging, I don't know what is. Where does your hope lie today? Let me ask you that. Because my hope is in Jesus. Some of you are probably first-time guests thinking, this young pastor is crazy. And Bridget Conklin looks terrified. Bridget, I love you, babe. I promise. Y'all, that's my favorite boss in her family. Can everybody hear for her, Erica Conklin? Those are my people. Sorry. Bridget, I promise I love you. I'll buy you candy later. Listen. Y'all probably think I'm crazy. But the fact of the matter is I know where my hope lies. When you come to the revelation that nothing in this life or the one to come can separate you from the one who loves you and died for you, nothing can phase you, man. And you get excited because now, guess what? You're able to lead other people to that hope. Because a, a lot of y'all freak out over some small stuff and I'm just like, okay, I see that, but look at Jesus. 
Like, okay, I, I see that's a genuine concern, but look to Jesus. Because I'm telling you, when you keep your eyes on Jesus, nothing comes into comparison of the might and the glory and the power that is in Christ Jesus. When you truly understand if Jesus could overcome death, he can overcome anything you are facing. Do you hear me? Because he lives, there is hope. Jackie, that's my girl. That's my, that's my, that's my girl right there. She's sharp, y'all, I'm telling you. John 16, 33. I've told you these things. This is Jesus speaking to us. So that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, let's have hope. I have overcome the world. <laughs> the true hope of a believer is that whether in this body or out of this body, you can't separate me from the one who loves my soul. <laughs> so no matter what hardship you face in this life, and even the fear of death cannot separate you from the one who loves you and died upon the cross for you. Either way, we win. <laughs> Either way, we win. Because he lives, resurrection is a reality. And I don't, I don't preach this part lightly. Because y'all know we've, we've lost a lot of church family in the past couple months. A lot of you have lost... Sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, grandparents. And I don't preach this lightly, but if we as Christians don't even understand what we're looking to, how can we have hope in this world? But because he lives, resurrection is a reality. Resurrection is this. It's the act of rising from the dead. And there's two forms of resurrection, and I pray to see one today. There's a spiritual resurrection. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. All of us were that way at one point. And of the ruler of this kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time. All of us were lost at one time. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But listen to verses 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, not because of his great power, not because of his great might, because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, world, hear me now. For those of you that think God just wants to send people to hell, first off, he doesn't send anyone to hell. You choose him or you don't choose him. It says, who is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. It doesn't say he's kind of rich in mercy. It doesn't say he's kind of set for life in mercy. It says he is rich in mercy. Verse 5, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is a reality. We all face this at one point. Spiritual death is a reality for all of us. But this is what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verses 24 through 25. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, very truly, I tell you today, a time is coming and has now come. This is the moment when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. The time is here and today is the day. To those of you who are spiritually dead, hear my words today. You don't have to stay in that place. Life is possible because Jesus lives so today, some of you may live, be living in that spiritual death, but that can change today. 
The second form of resurrection is a physical resurrection to come at the end of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 16 through 22. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. Let me give you a tiny bit of background. The Corinthians are freaking out, okay? Jesus said he was coming back, and now their loved ones are dying, and they're saying, what in the world is happening? Jesus was supposed to be back by now. And so there was a rumor going around in the Christian church saying, for if the dead are not raised, so he's saying, they were saying, the dead are not raised. And so Paul's argument is this, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Christians, I don't think we understand. Our entire faith hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus does not rise, he's the same as any other religious leader that ever came before him. But because he rose, listen to what, listen to what Paul's saying. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's pointless. What you believe is stupid. There's no point in any of this. And you are still in your sins if Christ has not risen. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And so what does he say? If you don't believe Christ rose, you will never see your loved ones again. They're lost. They're gone. Their souls have disappeared. It's gone. There's nothing left. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And it's true. If our Savior is in the ground and has been for 2,000 years, we are to be pitied above most. We're living a lie. We're living in a pointless fallacy. Of, there's no point to any of this. Why walk in righteousness if Jesus didn't rise? It's pointless. There's no point to any of this. But verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. I am here to proclaim to you today. But Christ has indeed, indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What does that tell me? You will see your loved ones again. You will be reunited. They are not lost to history. They are not lost. You will be reunited with them once again. Life does not end at your, your last breath. It just begins. So for all of you, Paul is encouraging you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Paul's talking about the resurrection. And verse 18 says this, And encourage one another with these words. I'm here to encourage you today. If you have lost someone that you love, this is not the end. This is not the end. Because Jesus Christ lives, you will see your loved ones again. They're not lost. There will be a resurrection at the end of time where we are reunited. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. This is reality. This life is simply the start of eternity. John 5, 28 through 29, Jesus tells us this. He's looking at them and he says this right here. After he said you can cross over from death to life, he says at the end of time, everyone will be resurrected. And there's two resurrections. He says the resurrection of life and the resurrection of condemnation. But I'm not here to scare you. I'm not here to put you in fear. I'm focusing on the fact that Jesus rose and because he lives, there's a time coming. I don't know how many of you know this, but there's a new heavens and a new earth that God will create. And it says everything will be made new. There's no more pain. There's no more disabilities. Miss Mary, Kenny Anderson, Miss Victoria, there's no more disabilities. Your body will be made new. There's no more disease. For those of you who've had loved ones who died from cancer, there's a lot of you. No more disease. Your loved one will never have to struggle. You will never see your loved ones fade away or wither away. They already have that, man. They're already standing in newness of life, resurrected bodies at the end of time where none of these things last anymore. You won't be hurt anymore. You won't suffer from depression. You won't suffer from anxiety. You will not suffer from those thoughts 
of suicide anymore. And the world is coming and is approaching sooner than I think any of us know. We will be with him and he will live among us. Some of you in here, you need freedom. You truly need freedom. You need hope because you're trying to find your hope in a world that has none. And right now you're living in a place of spiritual death and some of you are being awakened to that fact right now in this moment. Can I tell you, you can find it in Jesus. Because Jesus lives, you can be free. Y'all, I'm telling you, those of you who know me, when I started being the pastor here, I strived so hard to be good enough for you guys. But it wasn't until I found my freedom in Christ Jesus that I became who I am today. And y'all have seen a transformation in me even as your pastor because I have found freedom in Christ Jesus. Freedom from sin. Freedom from myself. Striving to be good enough. Never thinking I was good enough. So living in condemnation and guilt because I didn't think I was good enough for this. Yeah. And living in the systems of the world. Playing a part that who, it wasn't who I was. And that's why I can sit up here and have fun now because I've been freed from these things to be who I am. And not only that, but I have a true hope now. Man, on the way to church, I used to get mad at my wife for stupid stuff because I was so focused on trying to be good enough, trying to play a part, trying to fit a system of who I wasn't, who, who I wasn't, it wasn't me. And so I was fitting myself into a box I didn't belong in. And so instead of finding hope in Jesus, I was trying to find hope in being good enough for all of you thinking, oh, maybe if I do this, I'll be good enough. But no, my hope is truly in Jesus. And nothing phases me. I've even been serving in First Touch the past two Sundays, and I haven't had time to prep for my sermons on Sunday mornings. Why? Because I've been freed. And I understand that it doesn't matter how well I speak up here. Jesus is the one who does the work. And so my hope is not in my sermon prep. My hope is not in how much y'all like me. My hope is in Jesus. And that whenever I, whenever I read the word of God, it does the work. So there's freedom found in Jesus. There's hope found in Jesus. Jesus. And there's a resurrection life waiting for you in Christ Jesus. And I want to give you that chance today to cross over from death to life. And if you would all bow your heads with me this morning. This could be a major crossroads in your life, so I don't want you to miss this moment it, it could not only change your life, but it could change your eternity. And in this moment, I want you to just be introspective, thinking in yourself. This is for two types of people. This is for people who've never accepted Jesus Christ. Who've never stepped into faith of who he is, that he lived the perfect life, died the perfect death, did the work for three days and rose again. But this is also a call for those of you who want to rededicate. What does that mean? That means, Pastor Josiah, I gave my heart when I was a child, but I've walked away my entire life as an adult. And this is your moment to cross over from death to life, that there is freedom in Christ Jesus. Because he lives, there is freedom. Because he lives, there is hope. And because he lives, there is resurrection life in this life and the next. John eleven twenty five through 26. This is Jesus to you today. I'm the resurrection and the life. This one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And in this moment, you want to believe this right here. Once again, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. 
The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And in this moment, I want to ask you if you believe this. If you do, raise your hand. Raise your hand. You want to rededicate your life. You want to walk as Jesus walked. You want to give your heart to him truly. To walk in the fact that he lives. Because he lives. Because he lives, we can walk in freedom. Because he lives, we can have hope. And I want you to pray with me right now in this moment. Jesus Christ, we acknowledge you as king. We acknowledge you as Lord. And in this moment, I want to give my life to you. And I acknowledge the fact that you lived the perfect life, died the death I could not, and three days later rose again. And Jesus, we believe in you as the Son of God. We believe that you came to save the world, not to condemn it. And today, I will walk in your freedom, I will walk in your hope, and I will walk in your resurrection life. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's hear it. He is risen. Thank you guys for being with us today. And for those of you, I, I want you to take a little step of faith. If you raise your hand today, I want you to talk to me after service. I'll be here hanging out. I feel like he just does different views on things. Like it's not, like all of us, majority of us know the Easter story.